Hi, I'm Michael Stittle. And I'm Nick Nanos. And welcome to Trendline. Uh, so Donald Trump and Joe Biden have their first U.S. presidential debate. And Donald Trump, uh, again, attacked the potential outcome of the election based on mail-in ballots. That was a huge part of the debate right at the end. Uh, I just want to play some clips first. And will you pledge tonight that you will not declare victory until the election has been independently certified? President Trump? I am urging my people. I hope it's going to be a fair election. If it's a fair You're election, what? I am 100% on board. But if I see tens of thousands of ballots being manipulated, I can't go along with that. And I'll tell and what, you what, what does from mean, a common sense, does that mean I'll tell you what it means. To take to it means screen? you have a fraudulent election. You're and sending you out 80 do? million ballots. They're not, they're not equipped to, these people aren't equipped to handle it, number one. Number two, okay. they cheat. They cheat. No one has established at all that there is fraud related to mail-in ballots, that somehow it's a fraudulent process. It's already been established. It, it's a, Take a look at Carolyn no, Maloney's I, I, race. I, I asked you, how, you had an opportunity look to at respond. Carolyn Monroe. Go ahead. They have no idea what Vice happened. Vice President Biden, go ahead. He has no idea what he's talking about. Here's the deal. The fact is, I will accept it, and he will too. You know why? Because once the winner is declared after all the, all the ballots are counted, all the votes are counted, That'll be the end of it. That'll be the end of it. And if it's me, in fact, fine. If it's, if it's not me, I'll support the outcome. And I'll be a president not just for the Democrats. I'll be a president for Democrats and Republicans. And this guy... I want to see fact, an honest okay. ballot count. Gentlemen, we, you say that's the end Chris, of it? This is the I end of this debate? honest ballot count. We're going to leave it there. Too. So, Nick, mail-in ballots have been used for decades in the United States. Uh, what's going on here? Why is Trump... Uh, attacking them now. Oh man, it's basically brute force politics by Donald Trump. You know, it's interesting. There was a very cool survey that was done that uh, asked individuals that were committed or leaning towards Donald Trump and committed and leaning towards Joe Biden and asked them how they would vote. And you know, when you look at this particular poll, it explains this strategy and what we will likely see on election night. 58% of Democratic voters who are leaning or likely to vote for Joe Biden say that they're going to be sending in their ballot by mail currently, while only 19% of uh, those individuals that are committed or leaning towards Donald Trump are going to vote by, by mail. What does this mean? Michael, we may be into a wild ride on election night for the U.S. presidential election, where hypothetically Donald Trump could win the popular vote in the good old fashioned counting from people that show up to vote. And then in the weeks that follow, as they count the mail-in ballot, that initial result could be fundamentally overturned. So what do we see? We see Donald Trump and his quest to hold on to become president, basically run a slander campaign against mail ballots because when those mail-in ballots come in, that basically means that he's in trouble in terms of trying to win the election. Wow. So uh, the Supreme Court justice pick that, he, that he's put forward, it could also become part of that. Uh, as we heard in the clips, uh, Trump is suggesting that, that this could actually play out in the, in the Supreme Court. I mean, is there a chance that we won't have uh, a winner for even longer? Oh, absolutely. You know, the thing is, this, this could be this could be like the, the Bush-Gore election with the hanging chad with the court Ooh, yeah. in, uh, in counting ballots in, in Florida, except this is on a completely different magnitude because of the millions and millions 
of Americans across the United States that will be voting by mail. And, uh, you know, the thing is, is that, you know, the passing away of Justice Ginsburg has created an opportunity, an unprecedented opportunity for the Republicans to grab yet another spot with a conservative-minded uh, Supreme Court justice and, uh, and to push forward on that particular nomination and to have that person in place. Right now, what it looks like, the Democrats are trying to push back to say that it would be inappropriate for the, uh, what I'll say, the new designate Supreme Court justice that still has to be approved, mm -hmm. that if they do come on the court, it would be inappropriate for them to participate in deliberations related to the election. But it's just gonna, it, it, Michael, it's gonna be a mess. It's gonna be paralysis. And if anybody who watched that, that presidential leaders debate earlier this week thought that that was pathetic in terms of mudslinging, Imagine mm -hmm. what will happen on election night when people are trying, when the Trump team is going to try to devalue anyone that voted by mail in their effort to try to hold on to the election results. Now, uh, Trump has done a lot of shocking things over his presidency, but, but still I think people are surprised at, at the tenor of debate last night between him and and Biden, and, and one of the most shocking moments was when uh, the moderator uh, asked about uh, whether or not Trump would condemn white supremacists. Are you willing tonight to condemn white supremacists and militia groups sure. and to say that they need to stand down and not add to the violence in a number of these cities, as we saw in Kenosha and as we've seen in Portland. Sure, Are you I'm prepared to, to do specifically that, do it? Well, I, go would ahead, say, I would say almost everything I see is from the left wing, not from the right so wing. So what, what, what are you saying? I'm, I'm willing to do anything. I want to see well, peace. Then do it, sir. Say I'm, it. Do it. Say it. Do you want to call them? What do you want to call them? Give me a name. Give me a white name. White supremacists and right boys. Who would you like me to condemn? White supremacists and right boys. Stand back and stand by, but I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, somebody's got to do something about Antifa and the left, because this is not a right-wing problem. This, this is a left-wing This is a left-wing And a lot of people were, were sort of you know, shocked by this. I, I just want to play a clip. This is Rena Shaw. She's the founder of Republican Women for Biden, uh, responding to that on News Channel because we now know that this president is not a president for all of us. I have long not, I've held back. I, I've been very, very patriotic in wishing for the success of this president. But what I saw last night, I now understand what people have been saying when they say, this is not my president. This is disgusting. This is not America. He deserves to be removed from this White House forcibly. He deserves to be in handcuffs. This man is trying to incite violence. Wow. So, um, obviously Trump just making things more and more divisive. I mean, how does this strategy ultimately play out? Is, is it going to backfire on him? Did it backfire on him last night in the debate? Well, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's really too early to tell. You know, what's interesting in the polling numbers is that depending on which public opinion survey that you look at, the proportion of undecided voters currently, right, is about three, is between three and 11%, which is actually exceptionally low. Uh, considering how many weeks we are away from uh, from the actual presidential vote. But, you know, what we did see in the presidential debate, we saw basically Joe Biden straight out call Donald Trump a liar, mm -hmm. straight out call him a racist. We had Donald Trump basically called Joe Biden stupid because he came, I guess he didn't do as well in school as some other individuals, and uh, and basically inept. And, you know, I think for anyone that tuned in, 
you know, the, the debate wasn't really a debate. It was basically a platform to trade insults with no one agreeing on what the truth was and basically both accusing the other of being fast and loose with the facts. Hmm. Now, I mean, there's been a lot of debate. How do you debate someone like Trump who, who well, let's call it what it is. He's lies. He lies a lot. Um, so when you're on the stage with that guy, do you try and constantly fact check him? And it seems like the strategy that Joe Biden took was to just sort of dismiss him. He, I think he called him a clown twice. He said, shut up, man, at one point, which, by the way, I believe he's now selling as a T-shirt slogan. Uh, what do you think of, of Biden's strategy during the debate? Well, you know, I think uh, it's, it's a difficult position for him because of the, uh, of the debating tactics that Donald Trump uses. Uh, I thought uh, Joe Biden was the most effective when, uh, when he addressed the people of the United States directly, when he looked into the camera and delivered uh, some, uh, some compelling messages. Uh, we should not underestimate Donald Trump or diminish how he did. Basically, mm. what he did was interrupt Joe Biden so that he could not say things. And he was persistent and relentless in those interruptions so that there weren't as many clips from the Biden campaign as they probably would have liked as they wanted to try to land punches on, 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 on Donald Trump. So I don't think last night was a stellar moment for either one of those presidential mm -hmm. candidates. And I don't think it was a stellar moment for debate or dialogue about the future of the United States. And uh, I think it's quite likely that people came in if they liked Joe Biden coming into this debate, they felt good about that. And I think for those Americans that buy into the Trump vision of the world, they were okay with how he did. So I'm not sure whether the debate really changed anything significantly or whether it was a massive game changer because there was nothing new last night except the exchange. And we talked about this earlier related to mail ballots because everybody put their cards on the table Trump does not believe that the mail votes, when they're widely distributed, are valid, while uh, Joe Biden sent out a message that he wants as many Americans as possible to vote, whether it's in person or by mail. Hmm. Uh, now, Nick, here in Canada, we, we possibly narrowly avoided a, an election this week. We had our first confidence vote uh, when the House passed its, uh, its updated COVID-19 aid bill. Uh, the NDP uh, supported the Liberals on this. Actually, it was all partisan. It was all party support. Excuse me. Um, you have some very surprising numbers on the ballot tracking when it comes to the Conservatives. Yeah, check out, you know, Michael, check out that trend line. You know, you can see uh, earlier this year in 2020, the Liberals opening up a massive lead over all of the parties, especially the Conservatives. Basically, a 10 to 12 point lead where you can see those numbers rise up. And then you can see the drop. This is kind of like in the wake of the week controversy, which effectively has derailed any momentum that the Liberals had and any equity that they built during the course of the pandemic. Fast forward to now, and we're into coin toss territory when it comes mm. to the popular vote. You know, the, it's basically 34-34, but the positive trajectory is for the Conservatives. They're just this much ahead of the, uh, of the Liberals numerically, but for all intents and purposes, we should consider this a tie. But right now, the trajectory is favoring, favoring the Conservatives, and it looks like they're getting some sort of bump coming out of the selection of Aaron O'Toole as the leader of the Conservative Party of Canada. Wow. Um, so we'll see what lies ahead for them in the weeks to come. Um, and as I said, this, you know, all parties supported this, this bill. It sounds like nobody wants an election right now. Um, 
But what about the NDP specifically? How are they doing? Well, the NDP aren't really uh, doing that well. They're basically at around 17% nationally in the weekly nanos tracking. One of the numbers that really popped in a negative sense, or maybe deflate uh, for the new Democrats has to do with the province of Quebec, which used to be ground zero for the NDP renaissance. Yeah. With Jack Layton and Thomas Mulcair. Right now in the province of Quebec, they are in the low teens, like nearing 10, 11, 12% in the mm. nanos tracking. And they're a far cry of uh, where they were under both Tom Mulcair and Jack Layton. Probably explains why the New Democrats, uh, although they uh, did talk tough, and we have to give them a tip of the hat for that, uh, eventually landed on a deal uh, that was acceptable to them with the Liberals in order for the Liberals to garner their support to get past the speech from the throne. I, I want to also mention uh, the Greens and, and the Bloc as well. Um, how, how are they doing? Well, you know, the interesting thing is, you know, the Greens are going through their own leadership renewal. It hasn't had as much profile as many of the other parties. They're a very important party, the Greens, because about 30% or three out of every 10 Canadians are open to voting Greens. So they, they've got a significant upside. But at around 6% nationally, uh, they haven't really been able to make a significant breakthrough. And I think, uh, you know, the Greens, I always, I've always believed that the Greens are well positioned as a bit of a, as a, bit of a friendly protest party. Mm. Voters that aren't happy with the Liberals or disappointed with the Liberals are not hot on the Conservatives, that the Greens would be an alternative. Uh, and, you know, the Green Party is doing well in a lot of other countries like Germany, for example, and they've done well in provincial elections in Canada. So, but uh, their numbers uh, nationally haven't really moved as a result of the, their campaign. And for the Bloc, they're at around 7% when we factor the national number. They're doing quite well in the mid-20s mm. uh, in, uh, in the province of Quebec. And they probably have their, their eyes on some of those conservative ridings and new Democrat ridings mm. in the province of Quebec. So that's why they're, they would be okay probably with an election if it ever presented itself. Uh, speaking of the Greens again, uh, though, I mean, climate change uh, isn't going away. It's a major issue, the environment. But it, when you track uh, the top issues at, at the minds of Canadians, what's, what's sort of leading the charge right now? Well, COVID continues to lead the charge. Uh, you know, after we had that massive spike in concern about the coronavirus early in March, where it was basically off the charts, we saw a bit of a decline. But in the last couple of weeks, uh, there's been increasing concern. About 29% of Canadians cite coronavirus as their top issue of concern. Jobs are at around 17, healthcare 11. Environment, we were just talking about the environment at six. Mm. And you know, if we were to do, you know, trend line retro hour back in <laughs> January, like yeah. the environment was the top national issue of concern, right? In the tail end of 2019, environment was at the top of the list in the high 20s. Mm. Uh, but it's just been pushed off of the mindset of average Canadians with their focus being on the pandemic and jobs in the economy. Now, speaking again of the pandemic, if I were uh, in charge of a government, uh, God help us all if that ever happens, Nick, um, would I trigger an election in the middle of a pandemic or would I be worried that that would, you know, probably negatively affect my chances, let's say. Uh, but we're seeing provincial elections. New Brunswick just had one. Saskatchewan's is, is kicking off. Uh, British Columbia is is underway, and just like the U.S., huge amount of mail-in ballots. I think more than four hundred thousand and counting. Uh, so, how, what what's the sort of political uh, gamble here with with these uh, mid-pandemic elections? Yeah, so Michael, it's like there's a, some sort of election fever going on, where 
you know, provinces are uh, clamoring to go to the polls, even though we're in the midst of a uh, pandemic and also a surge. Mm. Uh, but I think, you know, we've got to put a little big, we have to put a big asterisk on a lot of these things. We know from the research uh, that uh, Canadians have generally been satisfied with many of the premiers of the provinces and their handling of the pandemic. You know, in the province of uh, New Brunswick, for example, the government, which was a minority conservative government, did not trigger the election. The opposition parties did. Mm -hmm. and they managed to win a majority. Saskatchewan and British Columbia is a different kind of beast. Uh, you know, those are both incumbent governments that have called an election that was not triggered by the opposition parties. And, you know, the, the research suggests that although those parties would have a good chance to win, they're still at risk. Because the fact of the matter is, is that if something terrible happens during the course of the provincial election in either Saskatchewan or British Columbia, it could put those incumbent governments at risk. And, uh, and you know what? With COVID-19, all bets are off. And I don't think incumbents should just bet on doing well just because people felt good about how they've responded to the pandemic. Hmm. Uh, Nick, uh, I think that's about it for this episode. Do you have a, a takeaway for this week? Takeaway is buckle up for the US election. It's gonna to continue to be ugly, continue to be divisive, and uh, it may be a certain type of political torture not just on election night, but in the weeks and months that follow that. Wow. Um, Nick, as always, thanks very much. And where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Nick, N-I-K, Nanos, or you can go to the website, www.nanos.co, where we've got all our stats. And I'm also on Twitter at Michael Stittle, and you can find more information on what Nick and I have discussed in this episode on ctvnews.ca. As always, thanks for listening.